Hello everyone, it's Jen. Uh, Before we get into the episode, I just want to give a brief content warning. This week we're covering some stories that deal with depression and suicide, so if that is something you would rather not listen to, feel free to skip this episode. We love you and we want you to take care of yourself, and we'll be back next week with a bonus episode, so you'll hear from us again very soon. Welcome, spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Oh my god, Jen, the Spice Girls are gonna fucking reunion! Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Yes. I'm so excited. Like, you don't even know. Yeah. I'm trying to get everyone in my life to watch Spice World with me because I haven't seen it You've ne- since okay, it came you. out. No, I've seen it. God almighty. Hold on to your a- shit. I've seen it. It's amazing. It's an amazing piece of cinema. It's amazing. Everybody's in it. And you didn't, like, really, you couldn't appreciate it as a child because you don't understand about Elton John and, like, um, Alan Cumming oh, and everything. Oh, I know. I need to watch it again. Yeah. 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 It's fucking genius joy and also the line my mom was my best friend is like iconic (laughs) right Mm. what are you gonna wear Mm. little gucci dress or the little gucci dress or the little (laughs) gucci dress i'm sorry i could quote that whole fucking movie i have a real problem (laughs) (laughs) oh just i'm just waiting for it to be added to the criterion collection oh my god that would be the validation my sixth grade self really needs yeah but i don't really need it because fuck them anyway (laughs) welcome to this podcast is haunted (laughs) where we occasionally discuss ghosts but mostly we talk about nostalgia and broadway musicals yeah and elton john yeah i'm uh that's kate i'm jen um today actually this this tangent is not really much of a tangent because we're talking about celebrity ghosts celebrity ghosts um jen this is uh, yes if you could be haunted by one celebrity ghost who would you choose um alan rickman i'm sorry oh good choice that's a beautiful (laughs) choice but like sense and sensibility, Alan Rickman. Oh my God, oh. Captain! Or what is it, Colonel Brandon? Yes, yes. Can I yes. say something really incendiary, and maybe it'll end our friendship? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, that is not the best version of Sense and Sensibility. What is? I I don't even know that there is another one that exists. There is with my baby Dan Stevens playing Edmund Ferris. Um, it was. Oh. BBC miniseries, three episodes long. There's a couple other notable people in it, but like, and it's it's not as beautifully shot as everything. Oh, I can't remember his name. Brokeback Mountain director. Ang Lee. Ang Lee. Anyway, Ang Lee does amazing cinematography. Like, holy crap. His cinematography is just exceptional. Hmm. But. Well, maybe I'll check it out. It's, but. Yeah. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. He's so hot, Jen. He's stupid hot. I, mm, we've had, we've talked about this. Um, in related news to uh-huh. my life and being a ghost, I think I'm getting the flu. No. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. Don't, don't uh, do it. <laughs> well. Just stop. Just, just, 
just stop what you're doing. Just cut that out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try. I keep like, I don't know, like I get exhausted by the end of, okay, admittedly, I also wake up at 3 a.m. So that's part of it. But stop also, that too. Oh, okay. So now you, you should ask me who my celebrity ghost should be and I'll come up with an answer right quick. Why do you ask a question you don't know the answer to? Well, I'm trying to decide if I would choose Freddie Mercury for the general life advice or David Bowie because he's the closest thing to God for me. <laughs> I mean, that's a good answer. <laughs> like, I feel like Freddie Mercury would just be like, he would sit in my pocket. And he'd be like, go for it. Beautiful. Like all the time. And I need that. Oh I need God. somebody to just live in my pocket and build me up from time to time. I know it sounds like I don't I feel I like don't he would give that. the best pep talks. There would be glitter involved. But on the other hand, David Bowie would sit there and he would be like, mm-hmm. I'm David Bowie. And I would be like, oh my God. <laughs> and then I would just dissolve into a puddle of goo that is made of pure electric and sex and glitter and... Uh, I don't. Masks. I don't think you can handle that. Is I think the the answer. I think you should go with Freddie Mercury because you'd actually get <laughs> shit done. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I should never yeah. meet celebrities. Like I, I cannot hold it together. I'm not cool at all. I once met a friend of Benedict Cumberbatch's and I lost my fucking shit. I'm sorry. What you met? <laughs> I, the, hmm. <laughs> Uh, you knew this story. We worked together at the time. It was at the museum. Uh-huh. And a woman came up to the desk. So it was me and one other person at the desk. And this woman comes up, and it was kind of a slow Saturday. And she came mm-hmm. with a British accent. And it had been uh, raining all day. And she comes up, and she's like, oh, yeah, we're used to the rain because we're from England. And I was like, yeah, so many things about England are lovely. Um, but your rain, your weather does seem intolerable. But on the other hand, you do have Benedict Cumberbatch. And this was, like, at the height of my Cumberbitch hysteria, like, and I was like, so she she turns around and she says, well, you know, he's a really lovely guy. I got to have dinner with him a couple weeks ago, and he's just delightful. I know. And so, like, oh, my God, you have a Benedict Cumberbatch number. You're two degrees. I know. (laughs) Like, it's right there. Right? It's right there. So she says, "Um, oh, yeah, he, he works on a radio program with my friend. And I was like, is your friend John Finnamore? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. Oh, my God. Americans know who John Finnamore is? And I was like, I don't think the average American knows, like, but, like, I for sure do. This one does. <laughs> <laughs> and so she texted him right then and there. And she was like, you have fans in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I burst into tears because he responded with a picture of his oh face. My God. And he was like, this is amazing. Tell her I say hello. Oh, and my I cried, God. Jen. I fucking cried. I would too. Oh right? my God. <laughs> All right, for those of you who aren't familiar this. with John Finnamore, let me fix your fucking life. Uh, John Finnamore is the height of comedy. He's just, and it's like, it's not icky comedy. And like, you know how a lot of comedians are icky comedy, including me? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when I'm funny, I'm foul. Not John Finnamore. When John Finnamore is funny, he is just light and beautiful and perfect and hilarious. And he and Benedict Cumberbatch for four seasons for BBC, uh, BBC Radio. They did a show called Cabin mm. Pressure. And if you guys haven't listened to it, oh, I've heard of this. Turn off our show, go and find it on the internet, and listen to all of it because it is amazing. Uh, you remember my husband Jen, Dan? Nope. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I caught it right away. <laughs> Uh, Jen, you remember my husband, Dan, right? (laughs) 
Dan doesn't uh, really like anything? Yeah. <laughs> Are you still not over me calling you he, Dan? He likes this show. Yeah, he fucking loves cabin pressure. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so what have you got? What are you? What are we? Do, what are we fucking doing? So, oh, before we get into it too far, um, we do have a correction. Oh, corrections corner. Our last episode, corrections corner. Uh, so we were talking about poltergeist last time. So please, before other people email us, just listen to this corrections corner and know that we already got it. Um, so uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, not watching a movie is it makes it difficult to recap the movie. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So Did you fuck we, up? we got a tweet. Oh, yeah, I got a, I fucked up a little bit. So we got a tweet saying, listening to the newest episode, explaining the movie Poltergeist on facepalming since they're getting just about everything wrong. It was a graveyard, not an Indian burial, burial ground. She was sucked into the closet, not the TV. And it was both psychic energy and ghosts. Oh. Sorry. Both. Um, yeah, apparently. Um, now, I do, I don't know, like, what kind of aneurysm i went through because i do remember reading that it was just uh a graveyard not an indian burial ground so i don't remember i don't know how that like changed that might have been me i've only seen that movie once and i saw it in like eighth grade Mm -hmm. when i was going through like i'm gonna watch every movie ever phase i'm still in that Uh place (laughs) um and so i might have been like it's an indian burial ground because that sounds like something i would say yeah so all right well we're sorry it was a graveyard legitimately i've been in this position where you're listening to a podcast which is like ostensibly like people with some kind of authority talking about a subject and they get something completely wrong and it's just kind of agonizing to listen to so i know that feeling i am sorry and i sympathize i guess i do feel like that when people are like searching for a word like on my favorite murder when she's Mm -hmm. using a word close to the right word i'm like shouting at yeah my radio. you're just like exactly exactly it's this word. so you know we've all been there so yeah sorry um um but yeah okay well thank um, you for letting us know and we will attempt yeah. to i don't know do better research. we'll attempt to be better that being said uh we're gonna be talking about a lot of stuff today that i personally have not seen so <laughs> let us know if we fuck anything up today <laughs> right. uh, where are yeah. we starting what are you we're starting um so we've been talking about um i don't know just all manner of famous people but there is um when it comes to dead celebrities there's a very famous club that i think a lot of people have probably heard of um and that is the 27 club do you know about this it's not a sex club it's not a sex club. I mean, there probably are a lot of celebrity sex clubs, but uh, we won't know about them because it's part of the Illuminati. Um, so you'll have to ask Kim <laughs> Kardashian about that. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, so <laughs> sorry. The 27 Club, it's, um, it's a list of popular musicians, artists, or actors who have died at age 27. Oh. Um, usually through suicide or accidental drug overdose or some other means um and yeah it's very sad and it includes some very very famous people um amy winehouse right she was amy winehouse yes um it kind of started between the years of 1969 and 1971 when um among uh, i don't know if this is the complete list but among others uh brian jones jimmy hendrix janice joplin and jim morrison all died 
at age 27 within those years. Wow. That's um, a lot. Yeah. I know, right? Um, and But it wasn't really um, known as a concept, the 27 Club, until the death of Kurt Cobain in the 1990s. So that that's when it... 1994? Sure. <laughs> I didn't write down an exact date because oh, okay. I didn't care. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I have more important things to do than write down the day that Kurt Cobain died. Uh, <laughs> and Amy Winehouse died in 2011. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary on Amy Winehouse, I think it's just called Amy. It's very good and you should watch it. And it made me appreciate her work so much more and it made me very sad that she's not alive anymore yeah i'll have to watch that one i really only know her for black to back to black um mm-hmm. so yeah. is there more that i should be appreciating um i mean that's her most famous album and i think and the documentary focused a lot on that album but it also delved into like her childhood and her private life and just like it was just so sad and she just was basically like not well taken care of by anyone in her life and <laughs> was very sad and depressed and turned to drugs and alcohol because everyone else in her life was doing that and they like mm. actively discouraged her from seeking help and it was very sad that's awful so, yeah i know so she was so talented too uh all these people were really um yeah and so like there's there's a list online. It includes way more people than this. Um, it also goes into like there's some debate as to whether it doesn't. It can include people who aren't musicians. And then, and then there's some people on the list who were briefly musicians, but are more known for other things, like Anton Yelchin, who just passed away. Like what? A year ago or so? Two years ago, maybe? Um, he was... Yeah, uh, very recently. The kid from Another Star very Trek. tragic death. Also a very bizarre death. Are you familiar with what happened? Yeah, he was just like in his driveway and his car was like not... His car malfunctioned or something and then like rolled into him. It was very... Ugh. I, I think he got out of his car. I'm, I'm not sure about this. I read mm-hmm. about it right after it happened. Um, but I think he got out of his car to get his mail out of his mailbox, and it wasn't in park. And his mailbox yeah, is I think a that sounds right. large brick pillar, and it pinned him between mm-hmm. the car and the mailbox, which is just horrible and tragic. And he was yeah. a great actor, too. I, I know more about actors than I do about musicians, and he had real right. promise. Some of his indie stuff was really great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm very sad that he's gone. Um, speaking of actors who are gone too soon, Heath Ledger was technically 28 when he died, but um, I kind of include him in this list. Yeah, he was just barely 28. Just like I'm only barely 30. Yeah, yeah, just like that. <laughs> Kurt Cobain's the most famous member, though, um, right? I mean, I guess it depends on how you feel about the other people. <laughs> I mean, he had... Kirk Cobain's death was like a lot more, I think, dramatic than some because of like his. Well, and his death has also been dragged out because of. Um, yeah, no, there's been like conspiracies about like you know did Courtney Love have something to do with it? Who exactly. Knows? Like, I've I've listened to like podcasts where they're like talking about his note and like how his handwriting changes and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably what makes him one of the more notable members of the list but i did um i just i didn't delve too far into like ghost stories from this list because i i didn't 
there's just so many. Um, but I did find um, something about Jim Morrison. Um, so he, he died in July of 1971 uh, in a bathtub of an apparent drug overdose. He Whitneyed. Yeah. I w- that's another list I want to have is like the number of celebrities who died in their bathtub <laughs> like that's or like in like, their bathroom the f- period like it's so intimate and it becomes so public yeah so yeah he died in his bathtub um he was in paris at the time i believe or at least he's buried in in paris that is where they did a lot of their recordings so it makes sense that he's there um so he has been he's been um, said to haunt the the bathroom of a restaurant in paris mexico restaurant ibarra um, where they the doors used to record. That was like their favorite recording space, which I guess has now been turned into a restaurant. Cool. Uh, and yeah, so, but um, there's a famous photo that has been taken by a tourist in the cemetery in Paris where he's buried. Um, he was just, this fan was just taking a photo near his grave and later noticed uh, a white figure in the background with, that looks like a human figure with arms outstretched. Oh, like that classic pose of yeah. his. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was what yeah. he did. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll post a, a picture of it on our, on our social meds. Um, <laughs> but it's, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> you nerd. Um, sorry i don't know i don't know how i feel about this picture like part of me wants to say that it's it's just fog that's been interpreted this way i mean it doesn't allegedly photo experts haven't been able to explain it but this was also like in an article promoting a book that it's in so i have my doubts but uh this this guy who took the picture or who's in the picture apparently now claims that Right, like he says that he regrets going there because now he's plagued by eerie events ever since. Uh, he says, you know, his marriage broke down and a close friend died of a drug overdose. And now he's haunted by people who approach him to say that Morrison's ghost is haunting them as well. Weird. Um, and he says, at first, yeah, uh, he said, at first it was interesting to see how many people felt a spiritual bond with Jim in the photo, but now the whole vibe seems negative. I wonder if it's not Jim Morrison and it's some sort of like, I don't know, demon or something instead. You know, they just kind of assumed it was the Lizard King. Maybe that's what got him. Yeah. Oh my God. Ooh. Conspiracy Ooh. theory. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have about him. Speaking of <laughs> demons, do you want to hear the greatest fucking story about a member of the 27 Club that I just Googled? Uh, yes, please tell me now. Oh my god, you're gonna fucking lose your shit. Kurt what? Cobain. <laughs> uh huh. Kurt Cobain haunted a, a woman. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's still no. it's so ridiculous. I can't even fucking say it. Okay, please. <sighs> We're doing this. We're doing this. Okay. Keep it together. <laughs> tell me. Okay. I need to it. know. Stop it. <laughs> okay. It's so silly, Jen. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. So <laughs> in Essex, England, there was a 24 year old mm-hmm. woman who believed Kurt Cobain was haunting her laptop. What? No. What? Fuck yep. me. What? <laughs> yep. She was convinced that her laptop was haunted by the spirit of Kurt Cobain. No. Uh, no, no, no. It was a compact. Remember that? C-O-M-P-A-Q. Remember oh compacts? Jesus. So okay, yeah. <laughs> she's a bartender. Uh, she said mm-hmm. it manifested on the computer screen 
uh, an image mm-hmm. of Kurt Cobain. And the image spoke to her and said, give us a kiss, love, which is a very British phrase. And I feel like Kurt Cobain would not have said it. Um, but then oh, what's yeah. interesting about this, are you ready for this? The laptop was off. Do, 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 do. It was off? It was oh off God. the entire time. Oh. Okay, but what, what do you think she did about it? Like, what do you think her response was? Oh, I mean, I I don't know. Tell me. She got a, com- she was, I didn't even say it. She got a laptop it- exercised. She no. had a computer exorcism. Oh, my God. And <laughs> since the exorcism, it's true that Kurt Cobain has uh-huh. not returned. But also, the entire computer won't turn on. Well, it was a compact, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fucking ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, Kurt Cobain haunted a laptop to the point of exorcism. Go figure. (laughs) That is the most. What year did this happen? Um, That is a level of journalism integrity that I do not have. (laughs) I have no idea. Sometime after 1994. It sounds sounds like the late 90s and early 2000s. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of alive, (laughs) this next person is not alive, but he just keeps coming back. Uh, I got a story for you. (laughs) That could be literally anything we ever cover in this show. (laughs) That can just be our tagline now. (laughs) This person's dead, but they just keep coming back. (laughs) Uh, Who is it, though? Girl, my boy John Lennon. Yes. Uh, oh are you a, are you a Beatles fan? Um, eh, mm, I appreciate them, but I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan. Are you? Uh, Am yeah. I? I'm sorry. Yep. This is... You're impacting our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I all right. Well, well, I can't really claim super fan status because like uh, they're my number three. So it goes Bowie, Queen, Beatles, mm-hmm. and then every. That's Broadway. a very solid top three, though. Thank you. Uh, they're classic. Maybe they're a little easy. They're they're low ball, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Um, especially because yeah. can I just say though that like uh, a hard day's night is a very good, gold. a very good film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it inspired Spice World. So here we go, coming back around, back on our bullshit. Wait, you never answered my question. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? Oh, um, you know, I w- uh, at the time I was very very basic. Um, so I probably would have gone with Baby Spice, but now I think Sporty Spice. Okay, so I started with Sporty Spice, but now I realize mm-hmm. who I am as a person, and I'm all about Ginger Spice. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. So looping yep. back to John Lennon, who's your favorite Beatle? There are right answers. Mm. Um, I want to say George, just to be weird. <gasps> Yay, that's the right answer. Oh, good. George Harrison oh, was the best Beatle. Uh, I cried when he died. Uh, my mom would fight you. She insists that it's Paul McCartney, and she's wrong. In fact, George I mean, Carlin... Oh, go ahead. He's just like the most obvious one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, obvious front men have never really been my thing. But mm-hmm. pretentious art house kids have never been my thing either, so John Lennon wasn't going to be it. And yeah, Ringo no. had a little too much going on. To be <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> Poor Ringo. Oh, Ringo. Although he, <sighs> Ringo really got, he's the only Beatle who got more attractive as time went on. Interesting. You know, okay. like Shining Time Station was good to yeah. him. Okay. You don't know what Shining Time Station is, do you? Nope. <laughs> nope, I do not. <sighs> okay. 
You know what, Jen? Okay. I'm actually going to let you explore that one on your own. I okay. <laughs> I want you to know what you missed. I want you to know what your childhood was lacking. So okay. nobody tell her. Let her figure it out. Um, so, no, it's true, though. Uh, George Carlin said it best. The wrong two Beatles died first. So when we lost mm. Lennon, that was in 1980. And then I believe it was 2003 that we lost George Harrison. What grade was I in? It was over Thanksgiving break. I know that. It was very close to Thanksgiving. Anyway, doesn't matter. So we are talking about John Lennon. John Lennon um, was a fascinating character. He was fucking everything he was a musician he could pick up any instrument and play it even if he'd never seen it before i know um Mm. george is kind of famous for doing a lot of um instrument innovation like using sitars Mm -hmm. and things like that uh but really i mean john lennon made the sound of the beatles sure he co-wrote with paul mccartney a great deal but he was sort of the the integral soul of the beatles now of course by the time he died they had already been broken up for 10 years, 15 years, something like that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they weren't even the Beatles anymore, but still. Uh, So as you know, the band formed in Liverpool, 1960s. Mm -hmm. Um, They went, they went to Hamburg, they developed their sound. Uh, They came back to England and then that was the start of Beatlemania. And then they came to the, to the Americas. Sorry. I've been teaching about the first. The Americas. (laughs) The The new world. (laughs) You know, like John Smith. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No. So uh, they played on the Ed Sullivan show, <laughs> and it was such an iconic moment that people still kind of remember the Beatles only on that show. Like, sure, we remember them from other moments, but there was this time of like Beatles purity <laughs> where it was just them mm-hmm. in black and white with those iconic haircuts, got bobbing in tune back and forth on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, here's a fun fact about me I yeah. think about the Beatles in black and white so frequently. <laughs> that do you remember when everybody was playing draw something <laughs> you <laughs> so, want to tell everyone else is the question um, yeah and then we can put it up on our social meds too <laughs> yeah because i have all, them right. all saved my computer <laughs> um me and my sister would play and uh everything i sent her would be the thing but as a penis so <laughs> which i'm sure zero people are surprised by <laughs> At this point. It's a revolutionary idea, really. Um, so, like, if it was a Viking, it would be a penis with uh, the Viking hat and, like, braids and a spear. And mm-hmm. if it was uh, Zafiehe, fucking Hitler, it would be the German flag with a penis and the haircut and the mustache. Uh, I was really good. <sighs> I used a lot of mm-hmm. colors. Uh, I took my time. I did shading. <laughs> um, anyway, wow. so one of the things was Ringo Starr. So I drew him mm-hmm. and I did it all in grayscale, like he was on black and white television. And so it's Ringo Starr oh as a penis playing the drums. Yay. <laughs> um, so anyway. That's elaborate. That's elaborate. It's a lot. Uh, so of course we know Mark David Chapman killed John Lennon December 8th, 1980. Uh, what's interesting mm-hmm. about that is he actually got the very last autograph. He came to Lennon, got his autograph <gasps> on an album, yeah. came mm-hmm. back again shot him eight times so oh, yeah. last year last year i was at the f- the henry ford museum and they had the magical mm-hmm. history tour are you familiar nope it's all original beatles memorabilia things by the band from the band from the entire i mean like from the formation of liverpool mm. you know playing the cave oh, wow. back in the late 50s all the way through mark david chapman 
And so um, one of the things, one of the last items that they had on display was the Mm -hmm. album that Mark David Chapman had John Lennon sign before he killed him. Oh, my God. It was the very last autograph that John Lennon ever gave. And he gave it to his mother. Oh, that's nuts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. allegedly, John Lennon died uh, December 8th, 1980. Allegedly, he died. (laughs) But he keeps just showing up. He just keeps coming back. Um, oh okay so yoko now yoko saw ghosts before she saw john lennon i am not surprised yeah that makes sense for yoko doesn't it it's it's yoko you know what though i kind of love her i think she's i mean have you seen her twitter (laughs) no does she have a twitter why am i not following that she has a she has a twitter and it is i mean it's exactly what you would expect Yoko Ono's Twitter to be. Is it just like Cher's so. Twitter, which is amazing? No, Cher's Twitter is amazing, but like Yoko Ono's is like insane Dove Bar rappers. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to read it. I love her. I do. I love her. <sighs> oh, so okay. she she saw John Lennon sitting at his white piano. He mm-hmm. he wore a lot of white. White was kind of like his signature. You know, do you remember that all white suit he had? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. So white was his thing. And we're going to hear that a couple times. So she saw him sitting at his white piano and he said to her really simply, don't be afraid. I'm still with you. And that's really nice. Uh, okay. That is kind of cute. Right? Um, In 2004, yeah. uh, their son, Julian Lennon, who was their only child, was shooting in Australia a sh- a movie called Whale Dreamers, which was all about the evils of whale hunting. And there are many, so he's right there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he participated in a sacred Aboriginal ceremony. And halfway through the ceremony, an elder had some sort of vision and out of nowhere handed him a white feather. Julian was struck hmm. speechless because so- shortly before John had died, he told him that if anything ever happens to me, look for a white feather mm-hmm. And know that I'm there for you, and I'm always looking out for you. So, Ooh. right? Very sweet. Yeah. It's kind of not unexpected that you would see a ghost from your wife and your son, you know? that I mean, it's a huge emotional connection, and and that's important. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Paul McCartney also oh, yeah. has seen a <laughs> couple uh, John Lennon moments. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't call apparitions. I, well, I don't really want to call them apparitions because that's not how he describes oh. them. But uh, moments where things got a little funny. So in 1995, the remaining three Beatles got together and they wrote a single called Free as a Bird. And they mm. were interviewed a great deal about that single. I, I do have a small clip from that interview. So this is Paul McCartney talking about John Lennon. They get a, an EVP on one of their recording sessions. So they're putting together this Whoa. song. It's called Free as a Bird. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, you hear this little glip, like, bleh, and then it sounds like John Lennon. Bleh, like, it, like you can just kind of hear that in there. So we're going to play that a couple times. Okay. Actually, John even gave it his blessing. Because if you listen to the end of it, you've got a little backwards bit that we put in, which was actually a little phrase when you turn it around. And it was like a little beetle clue, you know. But when you listen to it actually backwards, one of our engineers suddenly noticed that John says, ha ha, made for John Lennon. I mean, I remember John most days. Wow, you know, interesting. It, it is. Now, and if you continue with that clip, which we will post to social media later, 
Uh, as mm-hmm. he announces, oh, it's, you know, we picked up this EVP of what sounds like John Lennon. Uh, mm-hmm. Afterwards, the tape mm-hmm. gets very, very fuzzy. And these two blue bars climb up as Paul McCartney's interviewing. And the people who are running the interview say, oh, wait, stop. We have to take that again. We just had these wibbly blue lines. Uh, we don't know what caused mm. that. And he's like, he starts laughing. And he's like, that's oh, John. John is visiting oh us God. right now. I'll never forget, obviously, you know, it's the fondest. Whoops. What was it? No, it's just a weird blue blame. That was John. I'll tell you something, man. Is there? That's all right. It's okay. Leave it in. Leave it in. It was John. Yeah, so that was really uh. compelling. Um, and so that was not the only time he showed up uh, to the other Beatles. Again, John Lennon, mm-hmm. obsessed with white, obsessed with birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they were doing a shoot in a garden for Free as a Bird, a white mm-hmm. peacock walked up to the Beatles and posed with them for a minute. Oh, my God. They had all sorts of birds wandering around because Free as a Bird, but the white peacock was special white was his Mm. thing feathers were his thing and this white peacock walks up and he gets in the pose and afterwards they you know they kind of shuffle him out of there but afterwards um ringo turns i'm sorry no paul says to george um Mm -hmm. that was really spooky it was like john was hanging around and ringo overheard and agreed Mm. and they kept having little moments where they felt like john was recording with them Wow. I know. So huh. uh, John Lennon, still around. Now, there are other stories of him being haunted as well. I just liked those three. Mark David Chapman can burn in hell. He has been denied parole a number of times since he was available to it in 2000. I hope he never gets it and fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. So what have you got? Um. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I uh, went down a rabbit hole uh, on Marilyn Monroe. Um <laughs> I didn't know too much about her to begin with just because, I don't know, all you ever see are fake quotes attributed to her, and that annoys me, so I just never really uh, looked too much into her. But I went on Wikipedia, and boy howdy is there a lot. So, (laughs) yeah, buckle up. So I'm going to, I, as I was looking into her, I mean, I, like, I know a little bit about her death, and... But I, I, I did get a little more interested in her actual life, too. So we're going to do a little short bio. Um, now, if you are into this sort of thing um, and you aren't listening to the podcast, you must remember this. Uh, you should definitely remedy that now. In fact, Kate, I think you would probably love that show. It's like all about uh, Hollywood history and like Ooh. little known stories. Yeah, and they did a whole series on... what was it called i think dead blondes and so they did (laughs) so they did a a bit on marilyn monroe and uh, i think gene harlow and uh yeah so all the greats and they probably did it way better than i'm going to so well along the same theme i'm going to put in a plug as well for the last ovation Mm -hmm. uh are you familiar with that show nope kind of looks into celebrity deaths it's really interesting and very well done okay All all right Well, very cool. Uh, be sure to check those out. So, Marilyn. Uh, so, she, of course, was born um, with the name Norma Jean. Goodbye, Norma Jean. Norma Sorry. Jean. Do you, well, wait, do you know that song? Goodbye, Norma Jean. I... I never oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Elton John, right? it all. Okay, good, because we were going to fight. Yeah, that's fine. 
Um, yeah, she was born in 1926, born and raised in LA, but spent a lot of time uh, in foster homes. So she had a very kind of like uh, working class childhood. Uh, she married James uh, Doherty in 1942 at the age of 16. Wow. <laughs> which, yeah, is insane. Uh, he was, uh, I think he was in the Navy. Okay. What was his name again? James Doherty. James Doherty. Okay. Doherty. Doherty. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's spelled weird. I, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I don't Fuck know. that guy. He's, we'll see. I mean, he's yeah. no Arthur Miller. He's no, uh... Uh, yeah, if you guy. know anything about Marilyn Monroe, you will know that she did not stay married to him for very long. Right. <laughs> Fuck him. Who cares what his name uh, is? Yeah, who cares? Uh, so she, so they, they married in 1942. He was, uh, I believe, in the Navy. So that kind of, I think, explains why they married at such a young age. Um, so he went off to war and she was working in a radio plane factory. Uh, hmm. So she was Rosie the Riveting It. Um, and... Uh, and she was working there in 1944 when she was first introduced to a photographer uh, from the first motion picture unit and began a successful pinup modeling career. Perfect. I think I think they were just doing like um, war promo stuff at the time. And he just met her and was like, um, hi, you are beautiful. Why don't you? <laughs> it's just like it's kind of still towards the war effort, but just in a different way. <laughs> So instead of keeping men's morale up, you're keeping something else up. Well, you are also keeping their morale up. You're right. Orgasms are important to mental health. Yeah. Yep. There I you agree. are. I concur. So yeah, she she spent a few years modeling, um, and that led to short contracts with uh, 20th Century Fox um, from 1946 to 1947, and then Columbia Pictures in 1948. So this is at the height of the studio system. And if you remember anything from our episode about theater ghosts, you'll remember that studios are terrible. The studio <laughs> system was incredibly toxic toxic and exploitative um essentially that um that studio would just own you and own your life and you would have to be in whatever movies they wanted you to be in and you would get paid whatever your contract said you would get paid and you basically had no power as an actor and that is awful um and especially to women they would just be horribly controlling about your appearance and don't you dare get pregnant on their watch. Um, that kind of a thing. So, right. Yeah. So this is going to be a theme. Um, but uh, so during this time was when she chose the stage name Marilyn Monroe. Uh, she chose that in 1946 with the help of Ben Lyon, who was an exec for 20th Century Fox. Um, Marilyn was like after some Broadway actress um, and then she chose the name Monroe because that was her mother's maiden name. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Um, so around this time, she divorced her first husband, James Doherty, <laughs> because he was not so into this whole uh, posing for pinup photos and being in movies. He just wanted her to be kind of a stay-at-home gal, which uh, patriarchy, but also like judging by what happened to her later in life like 
is also probably like a good, I don't know, like he was probably a little bit smart about this, like not wanting her to get into it because it did kind of wreck her life. So, My personal theory is know. that you can go two ways. You can either have longevity mm-hmm. or you can burn real bright. Well, she certainly did that. Uh, so yeah. I guess I guess in that sense, that fits. Um, oh, except for some people who are getting up there in years and still rocking it. So, but we'll knock on all of the wood because we <laughs> want, don't want anyone to die. Um, anyway, the, this is 1946. She she decided to spend a few, the first few months of her contract focusing on acting, singing, and dancing lessons because uh, she didn't have any of these talents. She was just pretty, so like she had to just learn how to be an actress. Like she hadn't done any of this before. She um, never learned it, how to be an actress. She was an atrocious well, actress. Yeah, I I mean I'm not the biggest fan of her work, but I think she. I don't know. I'll get into it. She she did have a certain amount of like magnetism or I don't know, at least flair for something that I think that's got fair. people's attention. Yeah. She yeah. it's hard not to watch her. Mm-hmm. She magnetism is probably exactly the word. She she just had real vive. Viv viv. I don't know. Zhuzh. There was something really zhuzh. magical about her. Some je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So uh, yeah, she had to, like, basically learn how to act, um, which is debatable how much she learned. Um, she <laughs> spent a great deal of time observing others working, which I think, like, it at least goes to show that she, like, really did care about being a good actress. Like, regardless of her actual talent, like, she wasn't just coasting on her looks. She really wanted to work hard. Um, yeah, that's fair. She, yeah. Yeah, so she ended up staying with Fox Studio, and she starred in a number of comedies with them. She she was mostly known as a comedic actress. She had a little bit of a scandal early on in her career where people found out that she had posed nude for photos before she was famous. But instead of, like, shaming her, you know, that really just fueled the fire and made her even more famous mm-hmm. which i wrote a note here saying hi kim kardashian amen and kim kardashian's not even trying to act well she was not so much the acting but just the like scandal actually making you more famous than right less famous um like it did not hurt her career basically right so yeah by um uh, by 1953, she was one of Hollywood's most marketable stars. Uh, she starred in a few different films around this time that, like, really catapulted her into fame. There's the Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, uh, How to Marry a Millionaire. Um, these really established th- her as the dumb blonde, mm-hmm. uh, which she apparently had some level of control over. She kind of recognized that that was her niche and also the studio very much encouraged it but remember at this time because we're in the studio system and everything's based on contracts she is making them a ton of money but she is still being paid the same level she was paid as a brand new actress who had never acted before so she is like making way less money than anyone else basically which sucks yeah so she did some other serious roles. I think she always kind of wanted to be a more serious actress. And she did okay in them, but she was still 
just way more known as a comedic actress. Uh, but in 19... She, she went through some drama with the studios and I don't really want to get into. Um, basically, that whole time she was saying, you guys should be paying me more money because I'm making you so much money. And they're basically like, no, we own you. Um, but in 1955, she films The Seven Year Itch. Oh, um, before that happens, though, she married Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. She married in 1954. Um, and then in 1955, she goes to film The Seven-Year Itch, which part of it they filmed in New York City. Um, and they basically, the studio kind of, or the production arranged for this stunt to happen where they were filming on the street in New York City. And they had her stand on a grate and uh-huh. the subway went past. And that's the f- the very famous scene of, you know, her standing on the grate with the wind blowing up her white dress. Um, that was completely staged and for photographers. And then they like filmed it for the movie. And basically it was that same thing where they're like, hey, she's a sex symbol. So we can take, you know, sexy photos of her and sell that to promote the movie. But Joe DiMaggio was not a very big fan of that stunt. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of jealous and controlling and allegedly physically abusive um and so he did not really like that other people were viewing his wife like that which like why are you marrying marilyn monroe if you don't like that is my question right yeah like do you not know what we're doing here friend i know i don't i don't know some i just have so many questions for these people sometimes anyway so he didn't like that. Uh, she was not the biggest fan of him at the time either. So they ended up divorcing. In she files for divorce in October of 1954 or 55. I don't know. They were married for like less than a year. Is the point right? Um, which is insane. But after um, while these divorce proceedings were happening, she they kept seeing each other and kept dating, which is weird. And she also started dating Marlon Brando and Arthur Miller. So really? Marlon Brando? Get it, girl. I've never heard his name in there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see too many details about him, but he was huh. listed, so cool. we'll see. Now, of course, Arthur Miller yeah. is who she ends up with. Well. Yes. Yeah. So this was so through 1955, she's kind of juggling men. Um, she gets more serious with Arthur Miller. He ends up leaving his current wife. And they end up marrying in, oh, uh, 1956. It's like everything just kind of happens to her, like, in, like, boom, 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 like, very yeah. quickly in a short succession of, of years. So through all this time when she's kind of going through different husbands and men and still having trouble with the studio and her contract, but still making, like, a ton of money for them and being really successful... Uh, she kind of decided that she had had enough of the studio's shit, and she decided she wanted to start her own production company. Really? And yeah, I know I this is the part where I was like, "Oh, that I okay." So she uh, uh, she founded her own um, company in 1954 and called it Marilyn Monroe Productions or MMP. She like this was brand new. She wasn't entirely like financially stable to start producing films all by herself, but she came to some kind of agreement with Fox that they they agreed to kind of let 
her hat like start this company basically under their umbrella where she would still like she still agreed to do a couple films for them over the next few years and then they would kind of help finance her production films like they would kind of co-produce her films right and so that happened for a little bit and so she but in 1955 she when she started this she really wanted to spend even more time studying acting so she enrolled in classes at the actor's studio she studied method acting and she just she really worked hard on her career during this year and kind of just like focused on her own talent and developing that and then she married Arthur Miller in 1956 um, which was also pretty scandalous because this was the time of the Red Scare. So <laughs> Arthur Miller was on a list, which meant that she was put on a list, which the studio was not very happy about because they thought that she was going to be blacklisted because of McCarthyism. Right. So, Fucking McCarthyism. But she, she was like, no, I love him. She, but it did spur <laughs> she, one of the greatest stage plays Arthur Miller ever wrote, our favorite, The Crucible. The Crucible. How it comes back to witches. It all does. Uh, it really does. We're the witch bitches. We are the witch bitches. I like rhymes. Uh, uh, so she refused to end their relationship uh, despite the risk to her career, and she called the studio heads born cowards. Which cool. Is pretty badass. Damn, Marilyn. Yeah. I didn't know I liked you this much. I know, right? This is what I realized. I was like, ugh, fucking Marilyn Monroe. And then as I, as I was reading this, I was like, you go, girl. Right? <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of a fan self. now. Yeah. So in 1956, she was able to produce her first independent production under her uh, own studio, MPP. MMP, sorry, and which was actually a joint venture with her and Laurence Olivier, Ooh. and it was called Prince and the Showgirl. And if you have ever seen the movie My Week with Marilyn, that's what this movie is about. It's yeah. about um, producing this movie, which was okay. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a train wreck from the beginning because uh, it turns out that Olivier just did not like Marilyn Monroe and she didn't really like him either. But um, he was so bankable back then. I mean, he was a big time yeah, star. Well, they, and, yeah. I mean, it's basically the two biggest stars at the time teaming up together. So it's like Hanks yeah. and Streep in and, the post. Oh my God. Yeah. That first scene when they're just like sitting with each other at the restaurant, I was like, oh my God, this is like the most famous pair of people it's amazing in the world um yeah except for both hanks and streep can act and i guess uh i know right and maybe i'm just basing this on my week with Marilyn, but Lawrence olivier really hated her acting right because he was a very he was he was quite he was a real deal yeah uh he did not like her acting and i will be i will be frank and say that i'm not really a big fan of her acting either i think yeah. again this comes back to like she was just so beautiful and everyone was just so drawn to her that like it didn't really matter i guess and then also right. just a lot of the roles that she played were the like dumb blonde bimboy type and so right. it just kind of you you don't know where the line is between the character and her yeah and yeah so uh yeah the so the prince and the showgirl was uh based on a play that Olivier had performed in with um, 
Elizabeth Taylor uh, in the role of the showgirl. So as, as they're filming this movie, he was kind of constantly comparing Marilyn to Liz Taylor, which I mean, come on, there's nobody not really can live much up to that comparison to be made there. <laughs> yeah. Um, allegedly he told her that all you have to do is be sexy which she found to be super patronizing and girl same like that is kind of a dick thing to say i can't like, imagine he... uh why <laughs> she would find that patronizing uh, hmm, hmm. yeah yeah um it's around this time where she just started being chronically late to set she would just like never show up on time she wanted to do a ton of takes, um, and she, she would just do take after take, and every single one she would do differently uh, because I think it's a mix of her, like, legitimately trying to be good and then just, like, not, like, having all the self-doubt and not knowing what if you're doing is good. <laughs> I don't know. She was she was not great, and it must have been really frustrating to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it sounded like she was, I don't know, she was really trying <laughs> But she was also using heavy barbiturates at this time, so <sighs> she's just kind of a kind of a mess. Um, but it, I mean, it happened. They got through it, um, and I think you know it did okay. It's not like her most famous role by any means. No. Um, yeah, and so she made that, and she came back to America, and she filmed uh she continued to kind of have the same problems with her co-stars as she filmed some like it hot um and had a very similarly difficult relationship with co-stars jack lemon and tony curtis uh she could never remember her lines and asked for a ton of retakes um but the one thing that's really cool about this is she did she was able to negotiate um like her you know her own salary for filming the show but the the, the film but then also was able to secure ten percent of the profits. So, wow, that's that's pretty good yeah, negotiating. That's pretty good. Nice, mm-hmm. good for her. Uh, and I know, right? Good for her. like, despite all of my like, oh, honey, no, like, I'm still like really proud of her. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, it seems like she was very much. She had an uphill battle her whole life. I didn't know that she was a foster kid. That's yeah, I know. And so I was hard. reading a little bit about this. Why, like kind of why she got the reputation that she did so early on. I mean, she did pinup modeling, so, like, there's a certain level of, like, sexiness involved there. And right. so, like, but, like, why why did she become Marilyn Monroe? And why was that, like, there's so much attached to that when when you can see, like, compared to Grace Kelly, who is, like, you know, poised and became a literal princess. And, like, yes. <laughs> it's just, like, polar opposites. And it's just... Um, it's really the difference between the class, the social class that they grew up in. Like yeah. Marilyn was grew up blue collar and like in foster homes and worked in a factory, and so like that's what, how people treated her. Whereas you know Grace Kelly was rich and you know poised and well educated, that kind of thing. It reminds me of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. Also, everyone go see Itania. It's amazing. <laughs> Please go see Itania. It, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yes. Oh uh, my me God, and Beth I went to go it. see it. It was amazing. Um, yeah, oh. really, really good. Uh, kind of ruined Sebastian Stan for me, actually. Oh, oh yeah. Like, I will never be able to see him as, <laughs> as not, you know, like he's just forever going to be that horrible character. 
I forgot what else he was in when I was watching it, and which, first of all, I kept confusing him and what's his name? Uh, Rob Stark. Richard Madden? Yes. I kept like thinking it was him and then being like, no, it's not you. And then I couldn't remember who it was, and I looked it up, and I was like, Bucky Barnes. <laughs> that guy. Bucky Barnes. That guy. Wow. I'm never going to see that role the same. It's not the same, right? So, yeah. It, yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's, it's different. Is excellent. It's forever changed. Yeah. Sorry, we got way off track again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's fine. Where'd we leave off? Marilyn Monroe and Grace Kelly is kind of like the Tanya Hardy um Nancy Kerrigan thing, except for, you know, I imagine everyone also thinks that Tanya Harding is super hot. True. <laughs> Which was, yeah. They did not. So she has just like this really complicated persona and reputation, like still today. So, but she, her roles were just kind of, her work started to deteriorate. She did win a Golden Globe for Some Like It Hot. So she was like still able to pull something together. Uh, after that, her. And Arthur Miller kind of worked together to film The Misfits, which Miller wrote the screenplay for. And so he wrote a role for her that was kind of loosely based on her life. And she didn't like that. Oh, no. Um, and she also thought, yeah, no, it's not good. Um, and, and she also thought that her role was inferior to the male roles. And she just, like, was kind of pissed off at him he started having an affair with the set photographer and then also her health was starting to fail she had gallstones uh like throughout her whole life she had endometriitis Ooh, that is hugely painful yeah she had chronic like health issues she also had a whole lot of um like reproductive issues earlier mm-hmm. in her life like she had like a couple she had like a miscarriage and um um, I think she also was forced to get an abortion because studios. Um, studios. Fuck don't quote me on that. System. That could be me not remembering it correctly. Well, it for sure happened to Judy Garland. Yeah, it did. I mean, I know it certainly happened, but I don't remember off the top of my head if it also happened to Marilyn. But regardless, she had a lot of health issues throughout her whole life, not helped by the fact that she was very addicted to barbiturates. And so she was just like really kind of failing at this point. And so they ended up getting divorced in January of 1961. And actually, the so The Misfits is the last film that she ever finished. Uh, she was uh, working on a few different other films, but because of her like she was working on something that's got to give um and a few other different projects but she was let go from all of those eventually because she just like wasn't reliable anymore so it was it's pretty sad oh and so like in 1962 was when she early 1962 is when she did her famous happy birthday mr president um so she was i didn't find a whole lot on her like alleged um affair with jfk i don't i think that's there's like a lot of compelling uh (laughs) photographs and audio yes yes there is yeah yeah and also just like jfk wasn't one to keep it in his pants so i would not be surprised but yeah uh his dad yeah jfk senior used to lead mistresses through the children's rooms on his way to their bedroom so like if the kids were like down Mm -hmm. in the living room and their mom was in the kitchen making dinner. He would like lead mm-hmm. his mistress upstairs in front of everybody and go have sex. 
So oh my god, it's not like JFK had a real great role model there. Oh yeah, and also like his brother was also like there. It's also rumored that she had an affair with Robert too. So oh. yeah, honestly, Robert yeah. was the more attractive yeah. one. I you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll I'll stand with you on that one. Yeah. So if if that happened, which I mean, there's a there's a decent it, chance it, it happened. Did. It would have happened, uh, but it would have happened about around this time. So if she had the affair, <clears throat> she for sure had the affair. Uh, 1962, which is very close to the end of her life. She's dead in 63, right? Well, actually, she's dead in in 62. Oh, Let okay. me tell you how. So like it could have extended into 61, I suppose. But like still everything just like I like I said before, like every, like as I was reading this article, it was just like, and then this happened this year and this was also happening that year. And then the next year this happened like there was no time <laughs> from the like from the time her career really took off in 1953. Like that was there was like no breaks. This all happens within 10 years. Hence barbiturates. Ins- I mean, like if yeah. you don't. I OK, so you know how I've been really stressed out lately? Mm-hmm. I have been desperate for a cigarette because when you're really stressed out, mm-hmm. you need something to relieve the stress. And the level of stress that she was under, I mean, like a cigarette wasn't going to fucking mm-hmm. cut it. She needed hardcore barbiturates. Right. Well, in the movies that I've mentioned, like I've mentioned like basically one movie a year, she was doing probably six or seven movies a year. Like this is, I'm not mentioning a lot of her body of work because yeah. it's just, I don't nobody cares but like that she was so busy that i can't uh, uh. she it makes me think of um uh factory farming you know how they they Mm -hmm. keep cows pregnant so they keep producing milk and they just have baby after baby after baby um yep so it's i think that's what they did to a lot of our stars too i mean they they were Mm -hmm. just milking them for all the money that they were worth yep so this all did catch up to her in august of 1962 uh, she, her, she spent her last day, August 4th, at her home in Brentwood uh, with her publicist, uh, Patricia Newcomb, housekeeper Eunice Murray, photographer Lawrence Schiller, and her psychologist, uh, Dr. Ralph Greenson. Greenson, her psychiatr- psychologist, requested that um, her housekeeper, Murray, stay overnight to keep Marilyn company uh, because just like i think they were all like very aware of issues that were happening she had been kind of unhappy and like visibly unkempt and depressed for the past couple of months so greenson was like um eunice you stay (laughs) you stay here um yeah so she's chilling um uh, marilyn at 8 p.m retired to her bedroom uh, around this time, she received a call from actor Peter Lawford, who was trying to persuade her to attend his party that night. Uh, and she told him through it was like immediately clear that she was in like a heavy drug haze. And she told him, uh, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to the president, which is uh, not JFK, by the way. It right. is Lawford's brother-in-law who i think was the president of a studio and say goodbye to yourself because you're such a nice guy and then she just kind of drifted off and i don't think she like ever hung up the phone like i think i don't know i don't know what happened but i think those are like the last recorded words she that anyone knows that she said um 
he was very concerned because she sounded like she was in such a drug haze that he like called around he called like her doctors he got a hold of murray her you know housekeeper and and she was like no it's fine i'm here she's fine she just went to bed um and so she after you know getting those assurances he was like okay fine and you know he hangs up and goes on to his party but then at 3 a.m that you know the the morning of the fifth murray woke up with the feeling that something was very wrong uh she noticed that uh, marilyn had locked herself in her bedroom um, but was not responding to any knocks on the door or anything so uh she called um Greenson, the psychologist on the phone, who uh, told her to look through the win- like the window to see if you know what she could see, and uh, she saw Marilyn lying face down on the bed, clutching the telephone. Um, so he uh, Greenson comes over, that they get doctors over, and he breaks into her room to find that she had died, and at 4:25 in the morning, they notify the police. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really sad. So they, you know, they did some investigating and autopsies and stuff. And so they determined that she had died somewhere between 8 p.m. and 1030. Um, So not, you know, not long after the phone call. Um, The cause of death was acute barbiturate poisoning. uh, And there were empty bottles of, you know, the substances that were found in her body nearby. Um, There's no signs of external violence. um, And it was ruled a probable suicide because they, like, they ruled out accidental overdose because she had several times the lethal doses of drugs in her system. So that's not, like, something that you're just like, oh, a little more, oh, a little more. Like, it was, like, any... She was going for broke. um, The... Yeah, she was, like, several times over. Wow. Yeah. So they they didn't find any note from her, but that's, like, less than 40% of suicide victims leave a note. Really? Um, and she was, yeah, apparently. I didn't know that. Oh, I can't really say yeah. fun fact. It's not a fun fact. No. No, it is not a fun fact. Um, um, so classic. we've discussed Marilyn Monroe's fucking life. Let's talk about her afterlife. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, like, yeah. that's what we do here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I just, I do want to briefly mention the conspiracy theories. <sighs> they exist. Um, it's mostly to do with the Kennedys, of course. Um, people just think that since she might have been involved sexually with the Kennedys, that because they are, you know, the powerful family that they are, and honestly, I wouldn't put it past them, um, people think that they had her killed, um, that they staged the overdose, that she overdosed in, you know, in the, like, RFK's room or something, and... They just, like, moved her to her house so that, you know, they wouldn't be involved. Um, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's, I guess it's possible. I don't really put a whole lot of stock in it just because they, she had most of these series. She had a very rough life and she's, like, under every, like, of course she was depressed. Like, <laughs> like I don't think there needs to be any level of cover-up to explain I don't think it's a very unexplained death is my thing. Like, I don't, 
Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I will I will be the uh the naysayer in the room because I wouldn't put anything past a family that would give their um freedom loving daughter a lobotomy, so that is true. That is true. Uh, Rosemary Kennedy did not necessarily need that lobotomy, and she got it because she was difficult and she was hard to control, and uh, Grandpa Kennedy didn't care for that shit at all. So I don't put yeah. much past the Kennedys. I also am not going to put much past the CIA, you know, because they probably killed John. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. No, please. No. I believe it. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. Girl, you See, read up on I... it. Lee Harvey Oswald uh, is a fall man. Oh, my God. Okay. So. Maybe we should do a whole episode about uh, Kennedy conspiracy theories. Uh, that would be fun. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll just say that I don't think that the government is smart enough to pull that off without getting caught. I think our current government isn't. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, we shall see. Anyway. We shall see. So conspiracies abound. So, Tell me about her ghost. There's a, Yeah. Uh, so she has, uh, she's been seen in her home in Brentwood where she died, um, which by the way is beautiful um i was reading articles about it and they're like by the way have you seen photos of what they've done to the place and i was like oh my god <laughs> can we just gorgeous could you share those we'll, we'll share those in the haunted pod discussion group yeah or on our main uh facebook page yeah and like i would i would live there i mean it's marilyn monroe she's got to be pretty fun to party with um mm, i sort of suspect somebody who committed suicide wasn't always a. Uh, that much fun to party with that's true um yeah but anyway so she's been spotted in her home um that would just yeah that would also be i don't know a creepy thing um and but she's also been spotted in the hollywood roosevelt hotel uh, where she's been seen in the cabana room suite 246 um doesn't really give a whole lot of details on that but she's also been seen there's a full-length mirror in the lobby where a guest saw her like in the reflection no nope nope i'm fat you can't do that to my heart (laughs) Uh, leave me alone marilyn monroe yeah no thank you please uh she's also (laughs) been seen dancing in the in the ballroom of that hotel so Go check it wow, out. She must have had some good times at that hotel. Yeah. So I and, guess. If, and tell me again the name of that hotel. That is the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. So if you want good time, Marilyn, go there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, but I do like I, one of the main reasons why I wanted to uh, I've been wanting to talk about her is because I'm just so mad for her, like in her afterlife. Um, she she was buried in West. <gasps> Uh, yep, I yep. know where you're headed. Yep, she was buried in Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery. Um, it was, I think she has some, like, family members buried there. And it's actually kind of sweet because uh, Joe DiMaggio had purchased two crypts there um, for for him and Marilyn um, in, like, 1954 when they were, you know, married for a year. But, uh, you know, when they were divorcing he sold his plot to richard poncher who i don't know who that is but he so the the two crypts are are situated like 
kind of vertically where one is on top of the other. And Marilyn's Mm -hmm. is the one that's below. And so Poncher um, put the one and bought the one that was above and uh, put it as part of his will in he, he died you know, he was nearing death in 1986. He told his wife, if you don't put me upside down over Marilyn, I'll haunt you the rest of your life. You're kidding me. And I'm not. So uh, shortly... Like, fa- like face down, like he's fucking her missionary style? Yep. So she, his what? wife what was... What's the matter with men? I know, right? His wife was a little, like, concerned about that. And so she did indeed instruct the director to place him upside down in his casket. And so he was just fucking creeping on her for, you know, eternity. In the afterlife. Eventually, his wife kind of, like, got over her fear of his, you know, last threat. And she decided, uh, I don't know if this has happened yet, um, but she decided to sell the crypt and move her husband to another site. Yeah. So, but that means that it's also going to be back up for sale. So, like, who the fuck knows who's going to buy it or who did buy it? I don't know. (sighs) Don't we know who bought it? No, because I know what you're thinking. Hugh Hefner, he bought the crypt next to her and he bought it, like, decades ago. So, probably before, like, while, you know, Mr. Poncher was there. He bought it next to her and is indeed buried next to her. (laughs) Because he's a huge creep. And everyone is a huge creep about Marilyn Monroe. And this is why I'm so, like, mad and sad for her. Fun fact, first ever issue of Playboy magazine, uh, published in 1953, featured nude photos of Marilyn that he published without her permission. So, like, he's been creeping on her since the 50s. And... That seems about right. I hate everything. And I just wanted to share that so that everyone know, would know how fucking creepy people are and just leave the Marilyn alone. You know, just. You know, she never belonged s- to any of us. Yeah. But but she kind of became, she. I mean, she really was. Even today, she's a huge public commodity. Mm-hmm. Look at how many women get Marilyn piercings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you know, are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we're still we're still consuming her and she's been dead for what 50 years uh, almost 50 years yeah More than 50 years 62. 53 years mm-hmm. i can't do math that's fine so 1962 to 9 is 56 years she's been gone for 56 years mm-hmm. yeah yeah just, i feel i just like i i really enjoyed reading about her life actually and just like she was way more badass than i gave her credit for and i think that a lot of people give her credit for um she had a, a conflicted image and she had some responsibility in that but also a lot of the studio were you know studios were at fault for that and like she's just man yeah so that's it um yeah poor marilyn uh but i hope she's resting peacefully and god fuck fuck you hafner fuck that guy he was a complicated figure he had some good qualities, yes, but like also he huge did. creep. I'm I'm actually more creeped out by the guy who had a wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was like turn me over over Marilyn? Yeah. What the fuck. Ugh. Also, who does missionary style for all eternity? Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do when you're both dead. Well, I mean, yes, you can't really do anything. <laughs> you can, no, that's not the point. John. <laughs> 
Yes. All right. So we got a listener story. We do have a listener story. We actually have a follow up from a listener Ooh. story that we told. I don't remember if it was last episode or the episode before. So but this recently. it was recently. So that it was from Jay, who, um, if I remember correctly, uh, they had a, a space under their bed, like a loft bed, and always had dreams about monsters living under there. And so they were like, "Well, I'll just put you know a a, a seat down there, make them more comfortable." Um, Make them more comfortable. Which, I remember this. Yes, yeah, it was so fun. Uh, and then they had dreams. This about, was actually one of our best stories. Yeah, uh, dreams about being decapitated and then uh, their mother strangling them. So like it's it was very very vivid weird dreams. So I want to read this update. Uh, it says. Hi guys, uh, Jay again. Thanks for reading out my story. You guys are so sweet. It means a lot to me. I have had a bit of therapy between then and now, and it doesn't. And it didn't seem to work that much. I know it probably did, but I was still living oh. at home until shortly before I sent in that first email. Indiana didn't really mix well with my not exactly straight and or cisness, even after Pence. Ugh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, I always chalked it up to the therapist not really believing me when I told them how bad it was. Uh, they'd say, oh, you'll find it in your heart to forgive her. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit. What? Yeah, that what is. What the hell kind of therapist says that? Yeah, find a new, yeah. That, that's, that's a shit therapist. Not, that's a shit therapist. I had a really great support group of friends online that helped me realize she wasn't being normal and got me out. And I love them more than my quote unquote real family. Uh, after I moved out, things Yay. pretty much cleared up instantly. It's funny you guys had watched Paranormal Activity. The house where I had the dream was very much like the house in that movie, if I'm remembering it right. It was very much open concept, new suburban type thing with corn in every direction outside the neighborhood. If you build it, he will come. Uh, it must be the suburbs from hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always got bad vibes from that house to the point where I looked into local native American burial sites, and French and Indian war battlefields, no dice. The vague, shitty dreams completely stopped as soon as I went went to college and came back when I would come home from the holiday summer vacation. The suburbs are cursed. That's all I can figure. After my parents moved out of that neighborhood... <laughs> <laughs> after my parents sorry jay jay is a spinner of words and i love yeah, it yeah this is just so beautifully written i love it um, the suburbs are cursed they really are never lived there if you do i'm sorry if you like it i don't know i live in the suburbs uh, whatever um <laughs> after my parents moved out of that neighborhood yes both of them the near strangling didn't tip my dad off to maybe get a divorce for some reason and they're still married i'll never understand the straights <laughs> Um, I didn't have the same creepy feel. I've moved out of the state completely, and I've honestly had the best sleep of my life. Uh, that'll happen when you move out of Indiana. <laughs> Word. Uh, I go to sleep tired, and I wake up rested. Who would have thought? I joke, but I haven't had the same kind of sleep since about eighth grade. Now that I think about it, though, that's that's when my mom started to be having started having problems with me specifically. She used to watch me sleep at night from the doorway. I always find it super creepy, but it would have made sense for it to start protecting me and possibly drawing energy from me then. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's ghosts. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay also jokes to cope. God bless. That's what I do too. Joke to cope. 
anyway, it's 5 a.m. I should really stop. This is long enough. And I can't, I can keep sending updates if you'd be interested. Stay spooky, Jay. Jay, thank you for checking in. We're glad you are doing better and getting sleep. That is very important. And I'm glad you got out of that toxic place and get a good therapist. And I hope that you are well. (sighs) You know what? I've got the perfect note to end on. Hmm. Yeah. Here's to friends. Internet friends, real friends. The friends who keep you grounded and keep you safe. Jen, you are one of those friends for me. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate all the wonderful people that we've met doing this. This is... That was a good note to end on. I feel happier now. I was getting kind of bummed out. Yeah. No, man. Jay had great friends. We have great friends. We are so fortunate. Mm -hmm. And, uh... I love you. I love everybody who listens to this show. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you have a wonderful spooky story for us, uh, you can email us at thispodcastishaunted at gmail.com. You can find us on the social meds, as I like to say. <laughs> I do not. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Social media. Uh, we are on. <laughs> go take two shots after this, because those are like punishment for you. No. I want you to go take two alcoholic shots for saying the social meds and bringing that into our lives. I'm so sorry. I apologize to my friends and family. We're on Twitter at haunted underscore pod. Jesus. <sighs> and we are this podcast is haunted on instagram and facebook and we also have our fun little private facebook group where we chat and share ghost stories and just generally be internet friends it's so wonderful join us okay do it we're cool yeah we're cool you're cool all right well stay spooky motherfuckers we love you yeah we love you goodbye